0: everybody. We are here getting to know the Brazilian percussion making community one interview at a time. This is Courtney. And this is Diana. What's up Courtney? I'm, I'm all uh, I'm not hungover. I'm still high <laughs> from a show last night. <laughs> we had our, our second ever Portland Samba show and it was super fun. Really fun crowd. Everybody was super excited. It's good. How are
1: you doing? I'm fine. Anxious to uh, get another episode going here. And uh, so today we have our friend from California, Brazil camp, Carl Dixon. Welcome, Carl.
2: Thank you. It's great to be in good company. You're on the
1: Brazilian. (laughs) (laughs) So Carl um, plays drums, world percussion and classical and orchestral percussion. He's a member of Ginga, directs the Boulder Samba School and teaches percussion and world music at the University of Colorado at Boulder. And Carl, we want to learn as much as we can about you on this episode, so let's, let's talk. Great. <laughs> to get started, where did you grow
0: up and what was it like? Where are you from? Sure.
2: Uh, I grew up in Wisconsin near Madison and started playing music as a really little kid. Uh, there's definitely, definitely pictures of me, like a couple feet tall, banging on all the pots and pans in the house. Uh, probably many of my, you and the people listening were, (laughs) have those same photographs and family photo albums, so that's fun. Um, yeah, when I was a little kid, uh, I started being interested in music and then started studying the piano at a really young age studied that for a long time all the way through high school played a little violin during that time as well and got into drums more seriously around high school when i wanted to play music with other people and play in a band at school and Got started there, had some good opportunities, started playing jazz music in high school. And then my entry into Brazilian music came when I started college at the University of Wisconsin in Madison. My teacher there, uh, Tony DeSanza, uh, was at that time just getting, getting into Brazilian music Um And had started as part of the curriculum at the university, a Brazilian world percussion ensemble, which was amazing. Uh, And I really sort of lucked out completely uh, coming there and having that work out. Uh, I think there now I teach that music out of college, and a a number of my friends, uh, and teachers, and even students also our teaching and and organizing brazilian music and world music in uh sort of traditional music schools but i think uh definitely wisconsin was one of the the first and sent off a, a lot of alumni all around the rest of the country to hmm. kind of spread this music so i was really lucky to to yeah. be there at that time and and get into that music um the other main influence in in Madison was the uh, you, uh Many people <laughs> probably know people mm-hmm. that have connections to that mm-hmm. group. Um, they're uh, a, probably one of the longer-running community uh, Brazilian drumming groups in the country. Um, started a long time ago by folks uh, including Robert Scoville, um, Derek Wright, our friend was there in the early days of the Amphibians oh, really? huh. uh, in Madison. Um, so I also started checking out that group and playing with that group and learning from those people when I was in school in Madison.
1: Was that group affiliated with the university or just kind of an offshoot?
2: Yeah, not officially. Uh, it was around before the group at the university was, oh. I believe. Um, and Robert helped out with the university group. Uh, so we all kind of got to know each other, and then a number of us in the, the students at the school also then when we had time played with a with a Hanphibians, so that was really fun uh, so that was uh that was the start of my interest in Brazilian music, and I was there learning how to play marimba and timpani and play orchestral music and jazz music and uh solo music, all kinds of things. Um and at that point samba and I should really say samba like batucada from Rio was the kind of only the, the thing that I really knew a lot about at that point. Maybe a little bit of maracatu, a little bit of some reggae. Um so I didn't it wasn't a, uh, a there was only a, a door or two kind of open into that world that I had poked my head through at that point. Um, and I was doing a lot of other things, so I wasn't at all like dedicated to that music at all um, at that point yet. Uh, when I finished school in Madison, I came to Boulder, Colorado, where I live now, um, to start graduate school at the University of Colorado in Boulder. And as a teaching assistant there, I... Had the great opportunity to start teaching the the little that I knew about samba drumming at that point mm-hmm. to the <laughs> the wonderful students uh, at the university. They're percussion majors mostly, um, which was uh, really fun and and definitely sort of put the pressure on for me to learn more than I knew at that point to be able to teach all the instruments, all all the rhythms together, and also to direct a group, which was my first time doing that, um, which was really lucky for me to get that uh, opportunity early on and get a little head start on things that would develop soon after that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So that was when you were in graduate school, then did you... So boulder samba school that's like a community group correct like a right community project
2: so that started uh soon after the year after i came to first came to colorado i went to california brazil camp for the first time this is 2008 i believe uh and was hanging out down by the campfire and talking to some people and said, someone told me, Hey, you're from Colorado. Yeah. There's some other guys here from Colorado too. You should meet them. Oh, no way. Wow. <laughs> right. So I actually met, uh, Francisco Marquez and Greg Liberte, members of Jenga, uh, the band I currently play with. Um, I met them in California at the, at the camp. Um, and then, <laughs> Uh, came back home and started talking more, and and I started playing with their band, Jenga, that had already been around for a while, and also worked together with them and a, a number of other people to start the Boulder Sama School.
0: Awesome. That's crazy that you met them at yeah I didn't know that CBC.
2: <laughs> right I have a feeling we would have crossed paths soon after <laughs> yeah, yeah but sure. I, I still think it's uh, a a nice coincidence that it happened there
0: yeah that's awesome <laughs> so now are you is like are you full-time faculty then at the university
2: not quite no I'm I teach uh, adjunct a, a few hours a week at the university I teach some private lessons in all sorts of things. Some kind of typical music school things: uh, mallets and snare drum and timpani. Sure. And, yeah. uh, but also more drum set in jazz and world music and congas and hand, other hand drums. Um, so that's kind of changes every semester. And then I also direct two ensembles there: the Latin Jazz Percussion Ensemble.
0: Ooh, cool. which
2: is basically a a jazz combo most ma- mostly made up of percussionists uh that are playing drums and congas and other hand drums uh but also playing vibes and marimba and many of them are studying jazz improvisation uh with the uh, in their in their programs um so that's a really a really fun and creative
0: yeah. ensemble
2: to try out a lot of cool music yeah wow. um who plays a lot of uh cuban music kind of mambo and and cuban jazz and some shoru and uh some music that i arranged and some music the students arrange and all all kinds of stuff uh and then i also direct at cu um a bateria, basically, that is just separate from the Boulder summer School. Just, just students at the university. Um, but that's that's a lot of fun to to do in that setting. And we we play on the concerts, and we also tend to play a, a few performances every semester for other things. We've played at some soccer games and a, a football game, and some other events on campus. So that's an, another fun group.
0: Nice. It's like a place you can grow up like baby players for your, for your Boulder Samba school. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. Do you have any crossovers?
2: Yeah. Some of the students uh, have also then played with the, with Bateria Alegría, the the performing group of the Boulder Samba school. So that's been a nice nice transition. And also the other way, some people that have started out playing in the community group then uh, started another program at the university and and now play in that group so oh, cool it, people go both ways
0: awesome lots of crossover yeah diana did you have a question
1: i did but you took it <laughs> 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 So, Carl, in in all of this uh you've been to brazil correct
2: yeah i've been there twice um not as recently as i would like have liked to, <laughs> meaning I need to go back. And I've been saying that for a number of years, but mm-hmm. yeah, I've been, I've been there twice, mostly to Rio.
1: Mm-hmm. And who did, did you go there with a, with the, uh, thought to study with somebody or did you just kind of want to get the experience of being there? Uh,
2: the first time I was there, it was, uh, quite a long time ago. And that was more of a go around in and see music, and see mm-hmm. uh, samba schools, and kind of observe, uh, which was really important at that time to to kind of understand how all these musics that I was studying and musics that I was teaching um, to really see those in context, to see a a batida of. 250 players right. play in sepukai, Like to really get it
1: mm-hmm, right. <laughs> which you
2: would of, of course you you can't really translate from from watching videos or or listening to recordings and and see some really great samba bands uh and see some performances and also the that first visit i saw a few of the inside technicals the dress rehearsals of the samba schools in like the months before carnival mm-hmm. and got some drums to bring back uh <laughs> my my first nice pandeiro and kind of got a, a real good taste and then went back to rio two years later having learned a lot in the in the meantime uh and did a lot more like focused study and playing uh that year I played with Dudu Fuentes' group mm-hmm. Bangala which is great I was so that that time I was there for almost 2 months up oh, nice. through carnival so played uh every week with Banga and and played a bunch of shows with them went to Sao Paulo uh played the the big parade there and, and played during Carnival in Rio um, in Flamengo and I spent a lot of time at Salgueiro and studied a bit with Mestre Marcão mm-hmm. um, one of my personal heroes uh, in the way that he, he plays uh, and and the sound that he gets out of the drums at Salgueiro, and the way that bateria works, so I had a really lucky time. Uh, my teacher and our friend Curtis Pierre kind of sent me to find the right people to mm. to uh, to get shown around Salgueiro. So that was that was amazing. Play a little bit with the bateria in the quadra there. Wow! Awesome. Um,
0: How yeah. was your Portuguese at the time? Was it was it?
2: Pretty good. <laughs> uh, no, it's probably about the same as it is now, which is, <laughs> uh, I'd like to say if if I'm listening to people having a conversation about drums and samba, I'm <laughs> I'm pretty good at following along what people are talking about, but as far as uh, negotiating financial transactions or <laughs> getting directions, not so great. <laughs> uh, so I had. Uh, and some of those experiences had had a translator nearby or or just um just played. Make it work uh, out, yeah. 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 Play played with Marcal and played with Dudu and the rest of the guys in Banga half of who didn't speak English and most of the other people playing in the Batteria didn't, but uh whenever there was something important someone either managed to translate or or uh, get the point across in portuguese so i definitely learned a lot but i definitely did show up to, to some shows like three hours before the music started <laughs> <laughs> because of a lack of of language translation and cultural translation right oh <laughs> well, the show show starts at 10 right no nothing happens till one thirty. <laughs>
1: I'm sure you had a very good seat, though. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah, also at that time, had a, a few lessons with uh, Scott Finer, who some mm-hmm. people listening might know, um, and heard his band play in Rio, um, which was great, and, and kind of turned me on to a lot of ideas about that drum and the, the way it can work in some different kinds of music and he pointed me also to a lot of other resources and players to check out uh so that was that was another really good learning opportunity that came up on that trip and then of course i was there for carnival and went to two nights of disfileys uh and stayed up all night <laughs> uh i think uh Villa Isabel finished the second night at dawn that year. Wow. Things went pretty late. <laughs> uh, so that was that was quite the marathon event. Uh but again, uh really important to sort of understand the deeper level of how a lot of these elements kind of live in their in the context where they were born and cultivated and grow and and uh, to understand how so much of this music and so much of the drumming uh, is so related to this one specific night in one city. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that's kind of a unique thing among musics from around the world that uh, it's so, so dependent on this one specific event. So it's really, if you want to know, know a lot about that music you can you can't really get it until you've been there for that on that night uh to to see the samba school parades and i'm sure it's it's like that too to if you on a if you're studying maracatu right you need to be there during carnival in pernambuco right mm-hmm. uh or if you're still studying steel band playing you need to be there for carnival in Trinidad. uh and and i'm sure other music's Around the world, have have these specific events in specific locations that happen only once a year, uh, but I don't think we have anything quite like that in American music, uh, besides Mardi Gras, for example, um, in New Orleans, uh, and these days where we kind of get so much music on demand, uh, and and video content on demand, uh, so we kind of lose the fact that so a lot of culture is still related to a very specific place at a very specific time. Hmm. So that's interesting to see.
0: I've never thought about it that way. That's really yeah. interesting,
2: right? It's it's uh it's so much, and if we're thinking about the the in Rio, which is the like the thing that I saw there, everything from the like the physical design of the drums, to to be able to be played in that on that street, uh, moving at that pace, mm. uh, the the tempo of the music, um, the length of the songs, the form of the songs, uh, the way the each samba school's particular take on the rhythm. Uh, enhances and outlines the way that, that their songs there in Haydoos have been for, for many years. Uh, the tuning of the drums in that street is a, has a really specific sound. Um, it's a lot different from drums in, in a studio or a, a rehearsal room. Uh I could go on and on about about things that are are so specific to yeah, this really one place. That's
1: interesting.
0: That yeah.
1: So, Carl, do they have to uh, like tune the drums differently from the quadra to the uh, to Sapukai?
2: I'm not sure about that. I think um, definitely the some uh, some batidias. The people, either the directors or the kind of sub directors, Mm -hmm. have have different theories on on the intonation of the drums and the pitch of the drums. Um, And some some schools, I think, are more defined than others, where it's maybe a little bit more uh, variance in uh, in the sound of the drums. I personally uh, spend a lot of time tuning drums and have a lot of uh, particular things that I like about the way drums are tuned individually and as a, as a, a whole little drum orchestra. Uh, but to tune drums to play in a, in a recording studio is definitely different than tuning drums to sound good to be, being played by the hundreds uh, on that street. Um, so I I think uh, it's uh, not so much that it's different in like say from the Quadra to the Avenida, mm-hmm. but that that everyone knows how the drums sound on the Avenida, so that's the way the drums are tuned everywhere else.
0: Mm, I see.
2: At least in in the within a large Samba school of bateria.
1: Right.
0: Interesting. So what about you said you mentioned the length of the song? Is that so that they hit certain? you know, they go through the song a certain amount of times before they're done right. or. Well, so there's this whole,
2: the Samba and Hedu is this whole entire genre of, of song.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, every Samba school, uh, reviews dozens and dozens of Samba and Hedus that are written. So at least hundreds, if not thousands of Samba and Hedus are written every year to be held in contention. Uh, to To be selected by by a school is there, in Haiti every year, uh, and the form of the songs is pretty pretty standard. Uh, There's some kind of a few variables, uh, and and it's maybe changed a little bit over time. But you think of of uh, kind of the typical setting for a song to be performed. Say you're writing a song for a band. Well, a band's gonna play a, a show or a concert, and probably play a dozen, twenty, forty songs in a in an evening, and those songs are gonna be um, somewhere between a minute or f- three minutes or six minutes long. Like you think of the of the history of the the recording. Technology in the last hundred years. For a long time, uh, songs were only as long as you could fit on a 45, right? Um, hmm. And then songs' lengths changed a lot when when the LP was introduced. Uh, but the samba in, Hedu in Rio for the samba schools there is composed not to not to be listened to in the middle of a concert or a show. It's composed <laughs> <Right>. to be <laughs> sung repeatedly for 80 minutes because that's how long the parade is, right? right? So, so things are different because of that, and the the refrains are are composed so that they're easily recognizable and and uh, easily sung by thousands of people, um, and. It's it's very much related to to how that song functions in this parade environment outdoors through through the I mean before the before Sapukai was there is the parades were just through the streets right um, but the I think the the purpose of the song is is similar and and very different than a a lot of songs and even most Sama songs that. You would hear in the middle of a set of other songs.
0: Man. Awesome. (laughs) Yeah. I could just, yeah. Hmm.
2: Right. So that's, if, if you want to recreate this, you can, you can definitely, um, I think it's pretty easy to find like the complete, uh, television broadcast videos of, of the Psalm school parades in Rio and usually floating around by now uh, are uh, some the audio feeds without the commentary mm, right. of the announcers, which is is uh, nice to listen to if you're more interested <laughs> in the music than uh, which celebrity is riding on top of which float. <laughs> um, so that's that's a cool thing to check out uh, and and listen to it not just once through the NATO, not just twice, but listen to it for. Uh, as long as you have the energy for uh, to, to really get how it uh, how it functions live there for that mm-hmm. scale of time, for that scale of of people, that amount of people playing uh, all all on the move. Right. Not not set up in a in a concert hall or a studio somewhere.
0: Can you imagine doing a show here where you just play the same song over and over again for 80 minutes? <laughs> <just> no.
2: <laughs> no, I can't. Uh, even even all the Samba and haters, like that I am involved in performing, mostly with Bateria Alegría for our kind of bigger shows, we definitely play some Samba and Herus, but we play them in a context of a concert. Right. Right. Uh, where we play a bunch of different sounds with a bunch of different rhythms, um, and and that's that's a little different than than playing the same song for for an entire parade, um, and that yeah, just there there are things about that that you you don't really get until you've see it there, and until you see a, f- a few of them, <laughs> and can kind of connect it to all the other aspects that happen about that particular time and place.
0: So interesting. Yeah. Well, let's talk about your group. Well, at first it's a you have a school, but then a performing group within the school, correct? You have like a right. beginner class and all that. Mm-hmm.
2: So the Boulder Summer school was, um, founded, uh, in 2009. Um and started out kind of not not knowing exactly what we would end up with. Um but over time we kind of settled into uh a format of of uh the primary performing ensemble, which is Battery Allegria, um which currently has uh between 20 and 35 members uh, and has kind of averaged in that range for a number of years. Um, so those are our people. Many of those people have been playing with the group since it started uh, and uh, many others for, for three, four, five, six, seven years. Wow. Um, and. It used to be that anyone could kind of come and check out classes and just jump in. Uh, and maybe I would kind of work with them a little bit on the side and, and the other drummers would, would pull new people aside and kind of give people some pointers. Um, and then they got too good. <laughs> uh, they, the, the level of the ensemble uh, increased to the point where any newcomer that had not played drums or not played samba or not played in a, in a bateria would be totally overwhelmed. Uh, just by the, the amount of repertoire and the the rhythms and the techniques for the different instruments mm-hmm. uh, and the signals and a lot of things that are different to, to most of the new people that we attract. So oh, quite a while ago, I started, uh, teaching a series of, intro classes um so new new people that that either saw us perform or or were recommended by a friend or just looking for some new drumming to check out i would suggest that they take a a, those few classes uh with a a smaller group of of new people and kind of cover the basics and try out all the drums and see how they all kind of work together learn some rhythms, learn some of the signals and the way the group operates together. And then sometimes we do a sort of intermediate class for another four, six or eight weeks after that. Uh, And then some of those people at that point would then join uh, bateria rehearsals with the full group and and then after a few weeks or a few months when they've kind of learned all the repertoire, then, then they're invited to perform with the group.
0: When you say like a series of, of beginner classes and then Mm -hmm. a series of intermediate classes, is it, is it pretty prescribed? Like, okay, this week we're going to learn these things and then we're going to learn these. Like, do you have it laid out like that? And then you, then you start with a new group at the end of that time period or how do
2: Right. Yeah. I, I generally kind of start with the, with the basics of, of Samba Mm -hmm. Um, so in the, like this most recent, uh, year, we had a a class in the, in the fall. So, so four classes there and started out kind of learning the basic somber rhythms on, on all the drums, or at least a kind of simple version of it. And then, uh, people kind of by the third class, I have people pick one drum to stick with, uh, for the next two and, we kind of go over some more rhythms and some some breaks and call and response on those on that instrument so they can kind of get through more material um, and that so that's that part of it is is open really to anyone uh regardless of if they've played drums before if they've played any music before uh, and for people that are are maybe already know that they want to join the bateria or are just looking for some cool things to check out and, and learn about some more the rhythms and and drums. Uh, Definitely some of the dance students and performers in our community here have also uh, tried out some drumming. So that that's, that's Mm -hmm. great even if they're not going to be a a full-time drummer, but for them to, to check out uh, the way that the rhythm works in the bateria. Also some of the, uh samba and pagoji singers and and players uh in francisco's group have have learned a little bit about batadilla drumming and then it's probably helped them and give given them some more perspective on another kind of samba music so then after that uh the spring we've had another series of eight classes where again people kind of stick to one instrument um and basically, start learning as much of the repertoire, uh, the current repertoire of the performing group, as they can get through, and get some, learn some new techniques, and uh, really, also importantly, just learn how to learn, mm. and and f- help them kind of find their own process of of how to understand the the different rhythms and signals and transitioning from one to another and remembering uh, a whole bunch of different rhythms and being able to recall quickly. I think that process is, is more important than actually learning this rhythm or that rhythm or this break. Uh, Because once, once you figure out your own process and, and kind of understand that and understand the little tricks you can do to help remember a sticking or, the melody of this rhythm or that one then then actually learning the rhythms gets easier. So we spend a lot of time doing that and also just playing together as a group. Playing in time together, starting and stopping together, uh blending the balance of the drums together, understanding how the signals work so that so that when you when those students then step into a group that's uh mostly people that have been doing this for, for several or many years and the, the pace of the learning speeds up and the tempos speed up, then they can kind of hang in there and, and follow along and, and, uh, pick things up as they go along and then catch up and learn all the repertoire and then, then perform with a group.
0: Awesome. Do you, that learning how to learn that i haven't, that is a really important part of it. I hadn't thought of it that way. Um, do you have any tricks that you think work for a lot of people, or any advice on that? Because we we for this podcast, we think that we are like to target you know people who are already playing, but also people who are brand new, who you know are are yeah, learning, interested, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh,
2: so I've taught a whole lot of different kind of music to a whole lot of students little kids and and older kids and college students and young adults and old adults uh, and I've learned from a whole lot of different kinds of teachers with different backgrounds and different degrees and different languages uh, so i I really think that that learning music is and the the process of learning is is infinitely variable and it's uh i definitely have some tricks that, that i tend to get results and help people understand something quickly or i help people remember things Um, i think the most important thing is to have uh for me as a teacher is to have a whole lot of different strategies that i can throw in all at once mm-hmm. um from so, so say someone's just trying to learn a new a new rhythm on a drum. Uh, if I can give them so, sort of uh, a a good visual model, so they can see me play that drum and play that pattern from my point of view, and then compare it to themselves. If they can uh, sort of move their hands in a physical way or connect connect the sound of the rhythm to the way it feels to play it uh, that can help. It can help to, for people that have already studied music, then the sort of our Western concept of rhythm and subdividing can be really helpful. Even if they haven't, uh, you can learn all about, about, uh, everything you need to know about subdividing and counting rhythms (laughs) for Samba in about 60 seconds. Right. Especially if, if you, uh, Already studied fractions, <laughs> uh, so that that really helps some people and totally confuses other people. Uh, I, I write out stickings sometimes for for some people or encourage them to sort of transcribe as we go along for people that are, are more uh, visually uh, connected to to learning and and remembering rhythms. Uh, so I th- I think the best the best approach is to to have a lot of different strategies and, and directions to go to uh, kind of talk about one particular rhythm in a whole bunch of different ways so that five people there with completely different learning styles and backgrounds can all kind of pick out something that, that helps them uh, remember and understand something and connect it to other experience and skill they have.
0: Right. Interesting. Yeah. My background is in, marching band and you know we always got sheets of written music and then once i started learning west african from a senegalese
1: griot it was
0: you know everything you learn by rote and that mm-hmm. was so hard for me at first and i've gotten a lot better at it but i did definitely have to learn how to learn that in that way mm-hmm. that was a big <laughs> right for me
1: yeah i think i started the reverse i said well no i studied in school too a little with music but but just learning West African dance and all the breaks and all the rhythms. And I've just learned to sing it. I mean, for me, that's mm. the best thing is singing it in my head. Hmm. Right.
2: Yeah. So for example, I, most of this, the people that play in Bateria Alegria, uh, have not studied a, a formally uh, and, and are not su- super familiar with r- sort of rhythmic no- notation. Um, so I don't really spend a lot of time on that with them, but I I will sort of write things out now and then either in a, in a kind of formal way or a a more general graphical way, uh, and mathematical way. Sometimes that really helps people. Hmm. Uh, then again, for, for the group that I teach at the university, they, they read music all day, right? uh, Right. but many of them have not really had much experienced learning music by ear. Um, so sometimes they'll, they'll be asking for me to just write it down or do I, do I play on the end of two or the end of three? That's always me.
0: Like, where is it?
2: (laughs) Right. So sometimes I'll, I'll purposely not give them that and and make them, (laughs) make them learn it the way that it's been learned for centuries. Right. Mm. Uh, and, and, uh, the thing about that is that the music that they read, uh I could walk in and and hand them pages of music and they could all read the rhythms pretty easily and accurately. Uh but they wouldn't remember it at all. <laughs> so we'd come back in the next week and uh we'd have to kind of work on the same music. Mm. Versus uh hmm. the, the music that they learn by ear, uh that's that sticks with people. Of course, you need to to do it enough times um, to remember it and re- be able to recall it. Uh, and that's definitely easier if you if you're playing with your with your friends at the samba school every day. It's more challenging when you only have uh, an hour yeah. once a week. Uh, um. So, so sometimes like the notation and recordings and. All of that can be a, a tool to help learning happen a little quicker, uh, but I also really value the the process of learning by ear, and and really l- learning through listening instead of learning through uh, in- interpreting on your own without without the experience that kind of goes behind uh, executing or performing or expressing whatever you're playing on on. Your instrument, or your drum, or through song, or through dance. Uh, so the the whole process of of learning by listening means that you're spending more time actively listening, and I think this is the same for for visual learning. We're talking about dance too. Um, instead of interpreting from a page or uh, from any other sort of resource like that, you're you're learning rhythm through listening. And while you're doing that, you're also learning about the sound of the instrument and the balance and the swing and the expression of that instrument. So that's really important, especially for the students, uh, my students at the university that don't have much experience learning in that process.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, you definitely, I mean, you can see it written on the page, but it doesn't sound like, our western notation, when right, and you really it that
2: way, you so you can say that <laughs> what we're what we can say about samba and swing, like you can say about all kinds of other music, like you, right, you can't right. look at uh at swing music and and know how it goes until you've listened to a lot of swing music, right? Uh, yeah. same, same for um playing music from lots of other places of the world and and playing opera for that matter uh like if you don't if you didn't really learn the music by listening to it then you're you might not be getting the whole picture and
0: right. actually right. probably
2: you're, you're missing some things so
0: yeah there's sometimes where i've you i use MuseScore sometimes to transcribe things out mm-hmm. and um if you hit the space bar, it starts to play whatever you've transcribed. And it always cracks me up (laughs) because it's like, it sounds like a machine gun. Right. Yeah. So what about your group for beginners? Do you guys have like community equipment that they can borrow before they have to commit to purchasing an instrument or how does that work?
2: Yeah. The Sama school has a small collection of drums that, have the the school has purchased over the years, and uh, some people have donated. Um, I also have a lot of my own drums that end up being used for those those classes, uh, and also the the current members of the Psalm School that have their have purchased their own drums are usually really generous with l- lending them and letting other people play on their drums. So there's always enough to go around. Yeah, cool. Uh, and it, it's It's good. Uh, I always make sure that everyone in those classes gets a chance to play all the drums. Uh, Even if they're already sort of drawn to one and want to kind of stick with that, I think it's really important for them to get a chance to play all of them uh, to sort of see how they all work together. So it's it's good to have at least a couple of everything (laughs) for a class like that so people get to try out all the different instruments.
1: With a newbie, do you start them out on one thing in particular that might be the easiest for them? Uh,
2: this is another really unique thing about the the instruments of the of the bateria in Rio. Um, there are some instruments that are kind of clearly less technically challenging, and one instruments that are definitely more <laughs> challenging. Um, besides the technical challenges, there are also sort of some another set of rhythmic challenges. Some drums that just kind of play rhythms that are maybe easier to play physically, but are are maybe really syncopated and and trickier for some people to play. Uh, so I, I think that uh, that the 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 amount of difference in the different instruments there makes it so that, uh, there's an, an instrument for everyone. Basically, if, if I have a group of, of 12 people say in a, in a class, um, there are always, this has never failed yet. there's always a, a, a few people that have can figure out how to how to play with both hands on a kaisha and there's always <laughs> someone someone else that can figure out how to operate the shokayu. and a, a couple of people that can can figure out how to play a surdu rhythm and and really work together and then some other people that that kind of have can hear the melody and the agogo and and play those syncopated rhythms uh so that it's it's always good to have that that uh those different levels of of technical challenges and and rhythmic challenges because it makes so that uh it makes it so that a group of different levels of experience once they kind of rotate around a few times and sort of see what all the drums do they can it always seems to sort of sort itself out and and you wind up uh i wind up with a a, a well balanced bat- little mini bateria I try to have uh it's if we're gonna if we're gonna learn some samba rhythms then we have to have a couple surdu and a couple kaisha and kind of one of everything else. So I, I try to keep that the instrumentation balanced like that, so you you get all the different parts at the same time. Um and then later on so, some of those people switch around to the particular instrument that they're kind of more interested in. And also I balance that with for those people that wanna join the performing group, uh I need to keep that instrumentation kind of balanced, so mm. we have we can't have a lot a lot of this drum and none of that drum. So so we kind of need to keep it balanced. But the there's always a a drum for someone, uh, and there's regardless of the your sort of technical or rhythmic experience, um, there's there's a, a challenge for you. And a drum that you can kind of be successful and really contribute. And sometimes the most important parts are the are the simpler ones. I think that's another unique thing about that particular set of drums compared to, say, uh, like uh, drumming in Cuban music where all the drums play really hard technical parts or African drumming where, where they're all pretty complex or a, a brass band where you really need to practice your instrument before you can play together in a group, right? Or, uh, right. um, a marching band or a, 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 big chorus. Uh, there are a lot of those kind of typical collections of instruments and, uh, voices require as, as an entry level, some, some degree of experience and knowledge and, and a, a language, of, of music and those skills. And I think the drums in, in the batarias and Rio, and this is similar to the other drum ensembles and other musics from Brazil. Uh, but there seem to be many more pathways into that ensemble, into that group drums that anyone can kind of pick up uh, and learn some basics and immediately start contributing, which is, I, I think one of the reasons why so many people are actually involved as participants in drumming in Brazil, because the, the, the barrier to be involved and to perform at a high level is, is a lot lower than it is on, on other instruments and other ensembles. Mm. Um, You don't see too many, uh, people that are are bus drivers or business owners or bank managers also sitting in with the the local community orchestra unless they've already spent years like learning that instrument right you don't just kind of pick up the violin and and start playing with a big group of people at a at a high level right but right. lots of those people do <laughs> Like, get off of work and, and go back to their neighborhood and pick up a kaisha and play at a really high level collectively because uh, there's a, there's an easy path and an established path to to pick up that instrument and learn those techniques and learn that skill. And then yeah, be, and the an, encouragement, be yeah. an active participant instead of just a, a fan or a spectator
0: so carl as someone who was in music school and and you know doing percussion in music school it gets super complicated very quickly like you Mm -hmm. were first in when you were in madison you were in that um, brazilian ensemble what drew you to it because you know a lot of the parts are kind of simple and repeated over and over again but what was your um draw to it
2: uh (laughs) <laughs> it's got lots of cool drums. <laughs> Come on, yeah. who, wouldn't, who wouldn't be drawn to it? Uh,
0: I mean, I am too. I just want yeah. to really hear, you know, what you have to say about it from a, you know, from a different perspective.
2: Sure. Uh, I mean, I think at that point, I not knowing a lot about different kinds of music and different kinds of drumming around the world was at, at the same time introduced to a, a whole lot of different things all at once over the first couple years of of music school so i was introduced to brazilian drumming and afro-cuban drumming and african drumming and Mm. Flamenco drumming and was checking out all this all this music that my my friends and my teachers were were playing uh and seeing groups perform uh that was uh that was then the the first days of YouTube and streaming video, so that uh, that was a good time to start learning about about music from around the world. Um, but for for a while, I think Brazilian drumming and music was sort of one of of several interests for me. Then and several things that I was actually actively studying. Um, definitely, it's it's. The drums are cool. the rhythms are cool. I think I was drawn to the in first before I knew anything about the rest of the context uh just the sound of those drums uh the the balance of the the all the drums in the bateria together as this percussion orchestra um, different people are maybe more drawn to the the sound of of like samba reggae drums from Bahia or the maracatu drums from from Pernambuco have a really powerful sound, right? So so do different drum ensembles from West Africa and from Cuba. Um the 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 sound of the drums from Rio it really connected to me with through this uh sort of diverse percussion orchestra, really, and and hearing the drums work together um, and blend together. I think that was likely one of the first big draws towards it. And then, really, over the years, uh, as I've kind of ended up, for many other reasons, being more active, studying and learning and teaching and performing Brazilian music, I've noticed for myself that uh a lot of brazilian music samba in particular has what i call the, the the trifecta of of musical qualities um really interesting rhythm really interesting harmony and great melody all at once
0: mm.
2: so there there are a lot of great music's out there that i i love that have one of those qualities. And a bunch more that have two of them. But having all three, rhythm, harmony, melody, I think is a a little bit more rare than some people would realize. And the the sophistication in all three of those categories is Mm -hmm. something you don't find in all music. Uh, but something that has a, a really strong history and tradition in samba music in particular. And that that carries over to a lot of other styles of music in Brazil, too. As even some musics that, say, started out in the early days of that, the evolution of that particular style of music. right? A whole lot of music from around the world has really cool rhythms and nice songs. Nice melodies, but grew up and evolved in in situations where there was just drumming and singing. So harmony is is clearly less a role in those those styles of music. So any any music from from Africa uh, or or Cuba or a lot of older Brazilian rhythms was first performed just drums and singing, right? It doesn't mean that there's no harmony there, not at all. There's there's wonderful harmony in in that music in the melodies, uh, but samba has this this sort of lineage through shorou, uh, through uh, American popular music of the early twentieth century, and. Connected with with the way melody works in African music, uh, plus all this great drums and rhythm, uh, so I I really I think it's it's unique and it's it's no accident that I ended up uh, really investing a lot in in this particular music as opposed to other musics that I was kind of introduced at the same time and has equally interesting percussion and rhythm, Mm -hmm.
0: um,
2: but maybe is not, uh, maybe is, is a little light on, on one of those other categories that I I really appreciate in music.
0: Wow. I wasn't expecting that answer. That's awesome.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I think it's interesting to just kind of see
0: uh,
2: for, for anyone to, to to kind of take a, take a step back and think about why you appreciate the things that you appreciate, why you connect to certain things and not others as, as strongly, uh, and why, why you're drawn to or away from, from certain kinds of music or certain kinds of performance or certain kinds of communities, um, just because uh, we, we all kind of get introduced to different things through different ways. And so many of us take very different paths to, and to certain benchmarks and, and landmarks and our own appreciation of music and our own involvement in music and, and the rest of the things that go along with the the community and dance. and. but I, so I, I think it's interesting to to really understand why I really love the music that I that I do now.
0: Yeah, um, so as far as the song and the harmony, you know, when we interviewed Maestro Jonas this summer, he we we asked him, uh, mm-hmm. you know what what do you see that that us in the United States are missing as far as you know the um, playing samba, big bateria samba you know what do you what do you see is missing in us and he, his answer was you guys are really good players a lot of you guys can read music so you can get the ideas across really quickly but you you just ignore the song altogether do you guys as a group incorporate more song would you say than other groups around the country
2: i think so the and i i agree with that assessment of the sort of the the whole picture of the typical kind of performance situations in, in big drumming groups in this country. I, as the, as the director of this batteria, uh, and the, the members here have the, the great luxury of, of having in our community, uh, a lot of other great musicians and, uh, specifically, the the other musicians in the band Jenga that I am a member of. Um, these are people that that uh, were cultivating the the Brazilian community before I arrived here and before the Samba School was started. And and those people actually facilitated the the formation of the Samba School.
0: And that's so more now, of like a Pagoji type group, right? G-hi? Yeah,
2: Jinga plays samba music, Pagoji, MPB, a little Um and uh, also plays some shoru. It, The In years past, that's kind of been more of the f- focus of the band, shoru and, <laughs> and Brazilian jazz music, and is something that all of the members of the band do actively. And are are well versed in, uh, but as far as the singing thing, we get to do uh, at least a couple times a year a a larger show um, that involves kind of multiple organizations and and elements of the the performance community here. So last week we had our annual carnival show here in Denver um, that featured it was ho- hosted and featured Jenga, the band, playing uh, our our repertoire but also had a set with the with the Batadilla playing some on our own uh, and some together in some, some dance performances and then uh, a number of songs together with with in this case, uh, Francisco Marquez, who's the lead singer of Jingo, and and a few of the other musicians in the band as well. Um, so that's something that I I work with with those guys, and we p- kind of pick out some songs, uh, and I the batteria prepares those rhythms and arrangements, and then we get together and and rehearse a f- couple times, and and then play this show with a in this case, the the members of the band on stage, uh, and the drums down on the floor, and and play some samba enredo's, uh, also some other songs, uh, uh, lots of different rhythms, kind of more in the style of the some of the other blocos in Rio, um, and we've played some samba reggae like that too with with songs and and other instruments of the band on stage uh and that's something that i think uh all the members of the batería enjoy and it's a, kind of a a unique opportunity for them uh it's something that our audience i think really appreciates kind of seeing that whole thing happen together again not not just not just interesting rhythms uh but interesting rhythms in the context of uh Nice melodies and and harmonies too. Um, so that that's a, something we've been doing for a long time. That I I feel very fortunate to have to be in a in a place that has all those resources and that uh, we can facilitate putting them all together and and putting all putting together all the pieces that that need to go into a a, a big show like that with those multiple musical elements.
0: And you posted a video on Facebook, and we, we will put a link to that on our website. There was a uh, the fastest conga line formed I've ever seen. They go, like, running past at one point. <laughs> right. Yeah. Get out of my way. <laughs> I was yeah. washing dishes, and I had it on. I was kind of, like, watching it as I'm, like, washing dishes. I was like, holy cow.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah, pe- people got up and... Got up and <laughs> ran around the room when we started playing marchinhas. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> that, that was fun. Funny, yeah.
1: Now, Carl, you guys do another festival in the summer. You're a big um, Brazilian music festival. At I'm envious. Right. of. Colorado Can you tell us Brazil. Us a little fest. bit about that.
2: Exactly. Um, that was born out of the combination and and. Uh, of uh, interest uh, of Jinka wanting to present a, a a bigger show in a in a bigger venue uh together with the bateria and the members of the psalm school and connecting with the the dance community and the singing community and the drumming community uh, and trying to pull all those pieces together for a big a big festival. Um, so the first year was kind of a uh, we all got in to the deep end and and uh, managed to to swim out and and were really lucky to re- rec- recruit uh, a, a a whole bunch of of really talented uh, and dedicated volunteers, um, mostly from from the people that play in the, in the Bateria. Um, so that's, it was kind of born like that. And we, uh, have expanded and evolved a little bit over the years in in the focus and the scale and the, the direction for that. And it's, it's still evolving. Um,
1: was that first year, um, more of a local show? right it was Local uh performers uh
2: yeah just a combination of all the all the groups and and uh teachers and performers in the community and over the years we've had also some great guests from around the country and from brazil to to come and be a part of the festival
1: who was who was your headliner this past year was Moisés was yes, Moisés
2: Marquez from, from Rio was here and he sang and performed with with Jingo. Um uh our friend Ronaldo Andrade from New York came out and played. Mm-hmm. Uh it was great to have. And then also this this phenomenal band, Choro das Tres, uh,
0: mm-hmm.
2: from Brazil was was on tour. And we managed to get them here. Oh, they they've cool. played in Boulder a couple times before that, uh, mostly with, uh, with the help of, of members of the Sama School and the sort of the, the assistance of the of the Colorado Brazil Fest organization has helped them do some concerts along with some other groups in town. Uh, but this last past year, they were here for the festival and played a great concert.
1: Awesome, yeah. I I always see your lineup and I think, oh, I want to go. <laughs> yeah. What time of year is that
0: again? It's yeah,
2: likely the first weekend in August this mm. year. So look uh, look for news soon at uh, coloradobrazilfest.org. dot org. We'll hopefully have some okay. announcements soon.
0: And we will we'll put up a link too. to that on Great. our website. What about um how do you where do you guys practice like what kind of practice space do you guys use for your school
2: right we have a a really great situation now it wasn't always like this uh we started out playing in uh, a couple people's garages mm-hmm. and uh, like a community room at an apartment complex and uh for a while <laughs> we rehearsed in uh in a uh, this old Kind of vacant warehouse, uh, awesome. <laughs> with with no heat and a, a basically a single light bulb. <laughs>
0: no heat in Colorado, uh, right? In Colorado.
2: Uh, yeah, that didn't last too long. <laughs> um, and I think it was when that when that fell apart, we happened to I was introduced and a couple other members of the Psalm School were introduced to people uh with the great organization here in town Intercambio which is a does a lot of really great work um with um English classes and language classes and uh, helping out immigrants and and people that are new to the community here and getting them connected and supported uh so they have a, a great little office building in a in an industrial uh, office park away from from uh, houses and and uh, not many people around after hours. So we have a great relationship with them over built over many years, where we use their their great uh, office space to to rehearse um, and on the on the weekends and and weeknights uh and in turn play uh play for several of their big f- uh, fundraising events oh, and, nice. and festivals yeah. throughout the year which are yeah. always some of the best shows that we do because <laughs> people are always having a really great time and they're really supportive of our of our music and our performances so that's that's been a really great relationship over the years and has uh mostly solved what what is a real common problem for, yeah. for drumming groups getting started or continuing is finding finding consistent rehearsal space where you can definitely play loud and, and not bother people
0: not get the cops called yeah right yeah
1: and how does your work your your group work as far as um dues or monies how does that work for your group
2: um for a long time now the members have paid a, a tuition kind of uh every semester uh that goes to cover their classes that that I teach. Um and also comes along with being able to borrow uh borrow drums to play and try out, um, and some often has included uh also attending the, the intro classes that I teach. So some of the people that have been playing for a long time, I encourage them to come back to the intro classes to, to learn a new instrument or, or help out the, the new players. Um, so they, they pay this uh, tuition every every four months and that covers all the classes and often um, a couple guest classes get with, with guest teachers you try to do that once or twice a year. Um, and the, the money that the organization makes from playing different performances uh, kind of goes back to fund the, the operations and, and subsidize a little bit of the tuition.
1: And do you, are you guys a nonprofit?
2: Right now, the SOMP school has for a while been kind of had a... Uh, fiscal sponsorship by an, an, arts organization in the city of Boulder. Um, that's something we're we're thinking about uh, going through the process to uh, establish our own uh, separate nonprofit um, in order to have the opportunity to receive or apply and, and qualify for, from different types of funding.
1: Right.
2: But a, a a lot of great volunteers have have secured some some grants to for the samba school and to fund the Brazil Fest. So that's that's been a, a, a real help um financially is is having that sponsorship and, and the hard work those people have done to apply for for different C D grants.
0: What about um motivating uh Either students or, um, performing members to practice. Do you have, is that a problem or, um, people pretty motivated? It seems to anyway. Yeah.
2: I, I think the best way to do that is to schedule some performances, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, that always, uh, attendance at rehearsals and, uh, <laughs> people's individual preparation and, and work always, uh, Increases when when we have big performances coming up. So that's I think the best encouragement. Uh, coming coming to rehearsal and playing drums with all your friends is is fun enough uh, to be motivation <laughs> to come and and uh, definitely people uh, work on their own and work on their work together with each other in between and are. Uh, listening to a a lot of music and we often record record sound and and audio in rehearsals so some people have uh something to practice along to that's especially helpful for the newer people that are are kind of catching up on learning years and years worth of repertoire that uh, that all the current members are know and play really well uh but is is challenging to kind of step in and and learn all at once so having that those recorded resources helps uh helps uh get learn the repertoire and just review and and be more comfortable with that and also when we're preparing new new things for a uh a new show coming up which is we kind of do constantly cycle in new material and new new rhythms and new songs. Uh, so that's another way that that uh, helps people keep track of all that.
1: Yeah. And do you have section leaders, and maybe do they do sectionals on their own as yeah, well? Yeah,
2: that's something we uh, are doing more and more of these days. Uh, the people that have been playing the longest <laughs> uh, and have more experience drumming are are definitely helping a lot with helping out the the other people in those sections during rehearsal even when I'm there and then also getting together on on nights when when I can't be there and just practicing on their own so that's that's really fun to see people nice. take uh take a, up some some leadership and uh and uh have the experience of of helping out each other which uh often is is really helpful to for those players to to kind of get a little bit more experience with the rhythm and, and showing 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 someone else how to play a rhythm, uh, always gives you some more insight to how you're playing <laughs> it yourself.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, for
2: sure. And sometimes kind of helps people figure out what they what they know really well and what they actually are not so sure of, and and want to check back in and make sure everything. Everyone has the right idea on, on this rhythm or that rhythm or this technique or that technique.
1: And where do you get your gigs? Do you Is it like everybody kind of trying to find a gig or do you take charge of, of finding gigs for the group?
2: Yeah, a lot of what we do now, we uh, kind of do every year. Um, so Brizzo Fest has been going every summer now for a while. Our, Jenga has hosted a carnival event Every year for quite a while now, um, there are a couple of other fundraisers and and civic events um, that we play for, kind of uh, almost every year. A couple sort of outdoor parade type events, um, and uh, a couple athletic events. Uh, so some some of the things that we do we've we've done before, and definitely people call us for, uh, to perform at other events all the time. Um, and we're pretty selective in, in which events we do to make sure there's a a good, a good fit and a good audience. Um, the performances that the, that the whole bateria does are Mm -hmm. generally kind of more public events uh, and events, uh, outdoors during the summer, and the warm months of the year which is a whole bunch of the year here in sunny colorado <laughs> um definitely more in this in the summer usually than than in the middle of the winter so carnival is kind of the the early start to our our summer season of of playing more outdoors mm-hmm. and more performances
0: what has been your um like most fun memory or happiest moment while playing this music
2: wow that's a tough one <laughs> um yeah I don't know how to how to narrow that down I and mean, we just had a a great a great show here <laughs> for carnival we kind of have have a good history of that definitely the some of the 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 big collaborations we've been able to do uh, especially at Colorado Brazil Fest with the guest artists, singers and and guest dancers and the whole the whole host of of talented musicians here in this community and talented dancers and the whole dance community being able to of course sort of put that all together and coordinate all the all the many things that these individuals and groups have to offer and and sort of curate and and design the parts of the shows for for some of those big collaborations that that might be that's definitely several out of the top 10 right there being able to to work for months and months kind of planning okay, we're going to have this singer here and we're going to have this dance teacher here and and all the, the batari is going to play this and the the band on stage is going to play that and the dancers out front are going to do this. And, and coordinating all that is a, a really big challenge. Uh, but in general, like many things, the, the things that have the biggest challenge sometimes end up with the biggest reward. Mm-hmm. So that that's kind of vague, but
0: that makes sense.
2: That, that covers a a bunch of the top (laughs) moments performing in this, in these groups that we're talking about in this community here in Colorado. Yeah.
1: And kind of on that same note, do you have like a dream gig that you would like to do or somebody that you'd like to perform with dancer, musician, anyone group?
2: Oh, not, not anyone in particular. I, uh, we definitely have lots of, lots of plans for things that a here can do. And, and Jenga is, is working hard on a lot of things. We have new recording coming out soon. Uh, so yeah, being, being, uh, invested in, in the community here is, is something that, uh, is constantly providing more inspiration and and uh, higher higher goals as far as the scaling those some of those things up and and just continuing the the improvement and development of those groups. Uh, but yeah, then then something like the being able to have different guest artists visit visit uh the community here and kind of check out the scene and and check out the 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 level of experience and the amount of years that a lot of people have been working hard at all these different things here that's another another thing that's been rewarding in the past and that i'm always looking forward to new opportunities to have have uh performers and teachers that i really respect come visit here and and check out what we have going on here.
1: Yeah, you guys have a really uh, tight community. It seems like, as far as um, all the different types of groups and music working together.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think partly it's the uh, it's kind of uh, in the sweet spot of the the size of the community. Uh, mm-hmm. We're not too spread out geographically that we can all rally. <laughs> in the same spot at the same time when we, when we, when we need to. And, and, uh, the, the number of of people actively involved in the community is, 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 uh, I think really good for the, for the size of the entire community in this area, the entire population. So I think that helps being, being geographically connected, uh, and kind of focused on on the right the right amount of of different organizations and and leaders and teachers and groups,
1: how about this? I have a question okay, go ahead. Carl yeah, what's in your stick bag?
2: My stick bag yes uh, well, I have a, a whole bunch of stick bags. Usually <laughs> in my Samba stick bag is a a bunch of sticks that are about to fall apart. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I need to kind of weed those out, so so uh, no one gets
1: slivers. Um, What's your go-to stick? Like, say for kaisha or something.
0: No, Hippiki uh, stick. What's your go-to a stick?
2: <laughs> oh, I don't want to get too nerdy for for everyone listening. <laughs> yes, out you do. There. Yes,
1: our you listeners do. are nerds. Yeah. Come on, right. get
0: nerdy.
2: Uh, <laughs> yeah, for, when I play hipiki, I like playing with an oak stick
1: that's pretty nerdy as
2: opposed to most um your typical drumsticks are made out of hickory which is a little bit lighter and uh bouncier wood oak is a little denser and heavier yeah uh so it holds up longer uh and it just the extra weight of it kind of gets a better sound Mm -hmm. out of hippie in particular Mm -hmm. um uh yeah any old snare drum stick works fine for Kaisha. <laughs>
0: for, wait, wait, wait. Stop, stop. For the hipiki yeah. stick, do you take just like a regular drumstick and do you cut the end off or do you have any Yeah. special thing?
2: Yeah, I I I I like a it took me a while to to understand why people play with a shorter stick playing hipiki like in the Rio style with one one stick in one hand. Mm-hmm. Uh but I think uh having a a taking a normal drumstick and cutting basically the the tapered end of the, of the, where the bead is. Cutting off that three or four inches gives you a, a shorter stick that's kind of more easier to, to maneuver and quicker and lighter uh, and kind of lets you adjust the technique to, uh, to have a couple of different ways to play, which can be nice to play different types of rhythms and different volumes and for different lengths of time.
0: Yeah, my mind was recently blown when um, I went to a rehearsal and Chris uh, handed me this, it's, I mean, it was just called a Hippiki stick. I think Liverpool made it and I was just like, what? And I went from being like a crappy player to like a slightly less crappy player and it was like mind-blowing. <laughs> so now I'm all into like trying to figure out which stick is going to work best for me.
2: Mm-hmm. Just try a whole bunch of them. Yeah. And have a have a few available uh, but give eat, give them all enough time to that that you can really sort of adapt and figure out how to use the stick in a more efficient, more accurate way.
0: Because you know what I found kind of is our... that she brought back a bunch of those um, Liverpool sticks, and some of them are heavier than other ones, and so they right. play very differently. So mm. yeah, I don't know if it's right, like from different a, parts of the a... tree. They say they're all um, what? How do you say it? Macaiba a wood, I think, mm-hmm. but, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I think so yeah, that's like a, a
2: denser, a denser wood that's heavier. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, it'll hold up more, but it's <laughs> slower. It won't kind of shred as fast. Yeah. Uh, but it's heavier. So it it's, uh, it has the same, a shorter stick will have the same weight as a, as a bigger, longer stick of a lighter wood, uh, and gets, gets some different sound out of a hippie, especially when they're tuned up really high. Mm-hmm. Uh, you kind of need to match the, the weight of the stick with the, the size and the tension of the drum. Hmm. This is super nerdy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I find that the heavier ones, I'm, and maybe it's just because I'm, I need to develop those muscles or whatever. But um, I find it to be a lot slower, and I, I find I'm, I'm more sluggish mm-hmm. at higher speeds. And the, the lighter ones, although they do crack in half, like after the, you know, fifth time I use them. But mm-hmm. <laughs> I could play really fast.
2: <laughs> right. Yeah, There's so a. There's all. There's all... All these things kinda go together, like right. the the weight of the stick and the length of the stick and the tension of the head and how much bounce you're using and mm-hmm. what grip you're using. So there's there's no perfect answer and uh <laughs> as much as I can kinda dissect uh I want a stick that's this many inches long and this many grams in weight, like really like uh even if everyone has their kind of favorite sticks, like most of my teachers kind of just play on whatever's around. So mm-hmm. <laughs> right. so it's definitely, if you find a tool that helps you uh, get the sound that you like and helps improve your technique, that can be really helpful. Um, but uh, there's no magical thing that's going to make you better <laughs> Practice. in all yeah. situations Practice. and, and uh, yeah. <laughs> Having some flexibility when you when your stick breaks and you have to grab someone from someone else is a, a good thing to have
0: mm-hmm.
2: experience and be for able sure. to have some flexibility with
0: awesome do you have any shout outs is it for anybody
2: well uh, thanks a lot to for you for having me on here it's It's a real honor to be included in the same Aww. company as your as your host of guests which includes a lot of my good friends and, and teachers and mentors. Uh so I, I really appreciate that.
0: Um, well, thanks for coming on. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Uh I guess uh if people want to check in on things that happen here they can you'll probably include links, but you can find more about Jenga at jingaband.com dot com and more about the Bateria Alegria and the Samba School at org and a few things that I do and have coming in the near future at Carl, carldixondrums.com
1: Because if you go to just Carldixon.com it's some rocker guy. Right. <laughs> 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 yeah.
0: Actually, just do that anyway for a good laugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then go to the real site. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, we will put up links um, to
1: all those things. And there was a cool uh, video that Carl posted today doing all the different parts.
0: Oh, yeah. All as one. All yes, in one video. You've got to see it to yeah. believe it.
2: <laughs> I've been having fun uh, learning a little bit more about recording multi-track audio and video at the same time and putting together a little little clips of this and that. Um, that's that's fun to share with people.
0: So do you do, like, you just record one instrument and then you just pick up the next one and play the first one, and I guess you just play over it and then... hmm Right? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Cool. Uh, and then spend a whole lot of time editing, <laughs> which I'm <laughs> right. not very good at yet, so it takes a long time, but it's, it's kind of fun. Um, so right now I'm working on a couple projects related to that. Uh one I'm recording uh an album of of mostly samba rhythms just for people to to, to hear a bunch of drums together and uh, maybe would find useful for for learning different samba instruments hmm. and uh have some nice music to play along with and dance along with. Um I'm also in the middle of recording uh, this video course on some basics of playing the pandeiro, uh that I've been working on for a while and kind of gone through a few different phases of, uh, but hopefully uh, that'll be out soon. That's something I've wanted to share for quite a while and I had to sort of uh, learn a bunch of technology <laughs> to, to be able to, to get out at the, in the way that I, I i wanted to present to people so look for that soon i hope
0: very cool yeah when those come out um awesome. make sure you get in contact and we will add it to um your page on our website great
2: i love that
1: well thank you so much carl
2: yeah thank you again
0: chat with Carl Dixon. If you would like to learn more about him and see some of his videos, you can uh, check out carldixondrums.com If you want to learn more about his samba school, that's Bouldersambaschool.org Jenga the band g-i-n-g-a b-a-n-d.com Also, if you want to see that video of uh, Carl playing all those parts, that's, um, that's up on our Facebook page so you can check it out there. I think it's also on his Facebook page, too. All the music that you're hearing on this podcast is either from Carl's personal projects or from his uh, big group, Bateria Alegria.
1: For shout-outs this week, I'd like to mention the directors of California Brazil Camp, Dennis Broughton and Rich Rice, who have really created this amazing community for people like Courtney and I, who started this podcast because of uh the wonderful performers and artists that we've met there and uh, we tried to bring this community online for you to to get to know us and even further we've met so many people just as a result of california brazil camp and um it is just an amazing event so if you're interested in going registration is now open and you can go to um www.calbrazilcamp.com That's calbrazilcam com, And you can find out about registration, the faculty that will be there this year for the 20th anniversary, um, and all kinds of links to other great, great um, information. If you have any questions, you can also um, email or reach out to us because I... So I love to answer questions about Brazil Camp. So send those to me if you'd like to. We would love to hear from you guys. If you would
0: like to send us your group's audio, we can feature it here. Also, um, please write us on iTunes. Uh, you can also go to our website for more information. See pictures of our guests at www.thebrazilianbeat.com. Um, you can email us, thebrazilianbeat at gmail. Uh, Diana's tweeting on Twitter at brazilianbeat one facebook the brazilian beat instagram the brazilian beat and um we're also on most podcast players thanks for listening